Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. So I sort of think that what we do as comedians is really a service. The gift that I have is comedy. The gift that you have is comedy, and that is healing. Literally, people's health have changed because of their sense of humor. There was a doctor at UCLA. This dude had cancer. They said, you got six months to live. And all he did is watch comedy, bro. Day and night. Heckle and Jekyll, Laura and Hardy, Three Stooges, uh, the Marx Brothers. His name is Norman Cousins. He was one of the top professors at UCLA and had written seven books on how to heal yourself through laughter. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And our guest today is one of the most charitable comics in the game. At one time in his career, he won 100 grand on Star Search and donated half of it to help out the homeless. Been trying to get that back ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but his underdog story actually started in Chicago, mm -hmm. living in a one bedroom with seven family members. His mm. entertainment career started as a street performer in Chicago, where shortly after, he sold all his belongings, moved to California where he was doing up to five one-hour shows a day performing on the beaches of Venice. Mm. All that hustle, all that hard work paid off as he got discovered while doing these street shows to where he got to work with incredible people like Eddie Murphy, Bernie Mac, Martin Lawrence, and now Hot Breath. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hot Brethren and Sisterin, welcome to the Hot breath verse. Mr. Michael Collier. Woo! Wait a minute. I'm looking down here. I'm trying to see. Where the hell your... Where's your... Um... You didn't read that. No, that's... that's You're off... not reading that. No, that's off the dome, fam. And you like 100. You was right <laughs> on it. You ain't messed up or nothing. No, no. I kept looking over there to see what the hell is the... Chiron... Okay, all right, all right. You're, you're excellent already. Thank you so Thank you much. for uh, welcoming me, me to this fabulous show. Hey, you know, we ain't new to this. We grew to this. Oh, okay. You know, True to this. Come yeah, on, player. A little ATL slang type of thing. I love it. I don't know why I'm code switching right off the jump wow. here. But it, it, is, it is amazing that we're doing this. This is literally the first time we're doing this in this studio space. Nice. So, so I appreciate you. This is a virgin experience, and I'm happy yeah. to be the one to break you in. Go ahead. Well, weren't you the first uh, like black late night host as well? I think I was. I'm see trying you? to see if anybody came before that. I don't think. I think ours was first. I think it was before Vibe. Mm -hmm. I think Vibe came right after us. But on BET, we had a show called BET Live from LA. Yeah, I think I was the first uh, to do that. I was certainly the first black. Late night show host, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, but I keep thinking maybe, maybe Chris Spencer, oh, when he did okay. Vibe, maybe that was right before us. But I'm not certain on that. You know, I'm not just, just with Chris the other night. Great comedian. Hey, I'm your boy, Michael Kyle, world famous, world renowned, often talked about, alleged comedian, <laughs> gentleman, and a scholar, intellectual giant in a pool of mental midgets, and a connoisseur of fine haberdasheries. <laughs> Ignore this chicken because it don't have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, you you are a bit of a wordsmith. You do like to play around with words a lot. I love yeah. words, man. Yeah. I love words, man. You know, but I was wearing my pink today for Barbie. I haven't seen the movie yet, but everybody seemed to be going Barbie crazy. So uh -huh. my chicken loves her. And we said, well, we'll go check it out, see what's up. My co-host on my morning show, 
She is a Barbie file. She knows everything mm-hmm. about Barbie. When she was a child, she got one of the first black Barbie dolls. Oh. And she still has it to this day. You know, she's when the movie came out, she almost fainted just going to it because she's like, ah. And I kept saying, bitch, you black. I'm sorry, what kind of show? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a family show. Can we curse? No, you're good. Okay, you're good. all right, all right, go ahead. You're good. You be the Reverend you. over there was staring at me like I did something wrong. <laughs> Sorry, What's the story with the chicken? I've seen you. You carried around a lot. What's oh, it's no story. It's just fun. How long have you been doing that? I think I've had this about two years. My ex gave me this chicken. And it's very funny because, you know, I sort of, we sort of broke up because she's vegan. Are you vegan? Mm-mm. Oh, okay, because she's vegan. And I'm, I'm not, I like animals. I love chicken. And she's a brutal vegan. Like, I, I'll be eating chicken. She'd be like, oh, I see you're eating caucus today. And I'd be like, yeah, and I'm putting some barbecue sauce on this caucus too, bitch. Mm. Anyway, um, so yes, I, every place I take it, people who never laugh, never smile, they smile because they're confounded. You know, what is this grown-ass black man, clearly fly, mm-hmm. doing with a rubber chicken? Well, it's just fun. That's what I was asking. And I mean, this chicken has power. You don't even understand. Around the country, there are women who walk up to me and try to impersonate the chicken. What? They come up and say, Mr. Guy, I can do the chicken. And I say, bitch, do the chicken? Yes, I can do the Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about choking chicken? I can show you. Wait. Nah. Oh, no, I've choked <laughs> this chicken many a night, sir. We're not going to get on that topic. We'll be here for a minute. Pause. Um, pause. <laughs> pause. Wait a minute. I know he over there with the seven-minute uh, seven second pause button. When I say that guy, hit that button. Do the check. Which picture on camera? I'm gonna show one of the people on the camera. The middle one. Okay. We did it before, but she turned the face. We didn't get to see all of it. We didn't see it all. Are you ready? Here we go. You don't understand the power of the chicken, brother. You know I'm telling you, it's crazy. And and you know I be places where people don't even speak to black people, and now I squeeze that chicken, <laughs> and you'll see a look. And then sometimes they're irritated. What are you doing with that chicken? You know, and then I'll do it again. <laughs> now sit it down. And they'll come up, sir, what is it with the chicken? I said, yeah. ma'am, there's nothing with the chicken. And then they laugh and walk away. And they haven't laughed in a long time. Yeah. This is this the this, this man, that's the that's a tension breaker right there. That must have been you you've been able to entertain everyone doing the street performing, so you must have just picked up on all sorts of little cues to be able to just get people's attention and then hold it. Well, you know, street performing really really trained me as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is, yes, definitely get their attention because you got to stop people. Then people don't come to the beach uh, to find you. They come to the beach to get some cheap pizza and wear t-shirts with the uh, you know for t- four t-shirts for ten dollars and and to see the girls in bikinis. You know that's why you can go to Venice Beach or most beaches with twenty or thirty dollars and have a good time. You know, we're sort of like something they stumble on. They sort of walking down the boardwalk and they see a crowd and they go over and see what's going over. So you so, so what's going on? So you sort of have to draw them like me. I would start my show. By gathering five or six people and having them trick everybody else. Say, look, we're going to trick. Uh, when I get to three, I want y'all to go crazy. Scream, cheer, whistle, rape. Ladies, throw your underwear in the air. And the people down the street going to think some big shit going on. And they're going to run over here. 
And so I would count to three, and they would go crazy because people want to be part of the game. Mm-hmm. So they would, yay, when they scream and stuff. And you could just see people running. So now the people who were standing there are laughing their butt off because the trick worked. So now we got a whole bunch of suckers that they added on to the people who started it. So now we laugh together about how we tricked them. And while we're doing that, more people are being gathered to it, and then we start the show. So, I mean, I would do, for nine years, from 86 to 95, I would do five one-hour shows every Saturday and Sunday. And I would killing them six figures a year baby i was killing them and that was weekends only two days a week two days a week six figures yeah but i did put it in 10 hours so that's a lot of work yeah yeah, and and it was not just because it started out as change like change in dollars and stuff and then this dirty grungy old white dude came to me and gave me a piece that changed everything he said you know they want to call black people colored he said but black people color always the same when they born, they brown. When they die, they brown. When they mad, they brown. White people, when they born, they pink. When they cold, they blue. When they mad, they red. When they die, they gray. They're your colored people. And it blew my mind because yeah. this guy had a little sack with everything he owned in it. He was all grungy. I gave him a couple of dollars. And then I took that and turned it into this routine called the Basic Colored People's Routine. And so I would start my show by joking. With every race I saw in the audience. What what Mexicans? Oh, there you are. Okay, I, I knew it had to be some bus boys or something. Oh, there they are. Uh-huh. Mexicans, where you get them oranges? You know, and so they laugh about the fact they always have oranges. I talk about black people's hair and the different hairstyles. I talk about white people being scared of black people. You know, see a white lady with a black purse, she'd be skipping, I don't see no niggas. So I would joke <laughs> about every racial group I was. And we have any knees? Any knees in the audience? Knees, Japanese, Chinese, you know, knees. And I would just mess with every group. And then I would say I joke about racism because racism is a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're around here judging people because they look different from us. That's somebody else controlling us. We got to learn to live, to live together and love together. And, and it became the biggest piece I had out there because folks could come and see reality and they could laugh. And it made so much money. I mean, all of a sudden, people weren't giving me coins and dollars and shit. You know, they giving me 20s and 50s and 100s. And people gave me watches. I got the first year, I got 13 watches and like 19 gold chains. People were giving me things because... I wasn't just tickling their funny bone. I was making them think and feel as well as laugh. And so I started adding more and more conscious pieces. So I would do the piece about my addiction because I'm an addict. So I did crack for 23 years, and now I have 12 years of sobriety. But I was out there high. I was high when I wasn't working, but I was still out there talking about my addiction when I was still addicted. But I was talking about it in such a way to heal other people, you know, and let people know that you can't stop, that you can't turn it around. Yet I hadn't turned it around yet. And while I was out there, I finally turned it around. Mm-hmm. From preaching it, talking about it, laughing about it, I ended up doing it, which actually made me sober as well. So now I do... Uh, a one-man show that I'm doing in 100 cities called Michael Cowley's Mama. And it's an hour and a half. I play 17 characters. So I play my mother and my father. I play me at four ages, my four big brothers, the alcoholics, the crackheads, and the church ladies that ran my community. And so I do a 90-minute show, and I tell the whole story about my addiction and my recovery, you know, kind of stuff I had to do when I was out there, kind of stuff I did do when I was out there. And what it does is really heals people as well as tickles their funny bones. And it tells my journey from coming from the projects of Chicago to Hollywood and turn it around so it works for me. And it really tells the story, too, that anybody can do it. You know, I mean, if you come from where I've come from and you did drugs for 20 years, if you can turn it around and be smack dab in the middle of your dream, that's where I am. I'm smack dab in the middle of my dream right now. I'm doing everything I've ever dreamed I want to do. You know, I have a morning show five days a week on YouTube, the Michael Cowyer Morning Show. And I 
I've only done 687, so I understand if you haven't heard about it. <laughs> but I do that five days a week, Monday through Friday on the YouTube. I do it uh, 7 a.m., which is Pacific Standard Time, which is L.A. That's 9 a.m. Central Time, Chicago, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, New York. Right. So I do the show, every show with a comedian. I've already put on 518 comedians out of the 600-some shows because some people come back and bring them back again. We do a comedian every day. We sing. We have a, a vocalist come on almost every day. We have a poet every day. We'll talk to somebody interesting from the community and we pray every show and we laugh so if you want to get up in the morning and laugh and pray to start your day that's why i designed this show mm -hmm. because i designed it in the middle of covid when people was already mad enough but then they had this fool hitler's first cousin uh trump uh <laughs> out there stirring up and rabble rousing all through the community making people think it's okay to be racist again it's okay to be a hater again it's okay to treat people poorly he stirred up this whole energy where now people are bolder about being racist and you used to be polite about it you know we knew that's fucking racist but at least they wouldn't stand on it on their on the ground about it they going about their business leave me alone leave you alone it's not like that now so now people fighting everywhere people hungry everywhere covid hit so i want to put together a show well, people can come and laugh and pray to start their day because mm. your day always ends the way it begins. I mean, you get up and you kick your foot on something. God damn it. Mm. I keep telling y'all don't put no chairs in the middle of the floor. I, every time I tell y'all, you, st you start your day complaining, your whole day going to be complaining. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fussing with people all day. I swear, I guarantee you. You're going to be late in the afternoon and you're going to find something wrong with somebody. But if you start your day positive, look in the mirror, remind yourself of how great you are. God created you. He don't create no junk. Look at you. Fly. Your good hair. Good yeah, I remember having hair. I mean, I, I loved it. <laughs> it all I went down to your face. There. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. It shifted down because <laughs> I had a huge afro and everything. But we have so many blessings. So if we get up in the morning and look in the mirror and talk to God and thank him for what we got already, that's a power day. You spend the rest of your day with joy and energy and light. You know, squeeze the chicken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if if you get up complaining, it's the other way. So that's why we built that show. And then over the three years we've been doing it, so many comedians have come in, so many actors, motivational speakers, doctors, uh, holistic practitioners. So it's just a cool flyway to start your morning. Mm -hmm. So I do that on YouTube five days a week. Three days a week, I have my podcast on iHeart. It's called Michael Talks to Air Body. Not everybody. Air body, E-R-R-B-O-D-Y. -R -R -E -R -R -E My first uh, guest was a transsexual named T.S. Madison. She's awesome. She had she's the first transsexual to have her own network television show. She's huh. on she was on We. Wow. Just talking about her life as a transsexual. Her mom was on there with her the whole thing, and it was really pretty flat. It was it was really flat. How she carries herself is really really great because she's proud of who she is, and we have to be that. No matter who or what we are on the planet, you got to own who you are and stand true to it, no matter what other people say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because me anyway, I got a weird philosophy. My philosophy is you, if you love me, I love you. And if you don't like me, fuck you too. I don't like no gray area. I'm either this or I'm that. It's no in-between. I don't need people guessing and wondering. So when you figure out what you are, you have to stand tall in that. We have some of the greatest people, and they come on. And that's just a podcast. Michael talks to everybody. So I do three a day. I mean, three a week, every week, 50 weeks at a time for the next three years, you yeah. know? So those are the main things we do, the main stuff I do. So when I'm doing the play, I'm talking about the stuff that I'm doing, but I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about my journey and how we came from living. We lived before the projects. So we was pre-project. Projects for us was a step up. Wow. You know, we didn't think of them as, as uh, we thought of the high-rise high buildings. We didn't think of them as projects because they weren't even projects. We moved in there in like 62. And and they were just buildings that turned into projects as we lived there, all the gangbangers and the, the graffiti on the wall, all that stuff. But we came from, you know, we was pretty poor, but we didn't know it because we happy. If you're happy and you got a family, 
don't give a damn about money. Somebody has to come tell you that that stuff means something. You know what I'm saying? So it, I tell the story. And so we just went and did it in August, last August, at the National Black Theater Festival. So Ben Vereen came to the show and saw it. He loved it. He came back again, loved it. So he's helping me prepare it to take it to Broadway. But it's a cold, cold piece. But it's so powerful. When I took it to Chicago, I did it at the Black Museum, uh, the, du the DuSable Museum of African American History in Chicago, where I'm from. One senator there gave me $5,000 to buy tickets for addicts who couldn't afford the tickets so they can come to the show and be inspired. So I sort of think that what we do as comedians is really a service. Mm. And I think also that all humans are put on this planet to serve. And we serve in different ways. We help people in, other, in different ways. Uh, the gift that I have is comedy. The gift that you have is comedy. And that is healing. Literally, people's health have changed because of their sense of humor. Um, there was a doctor at UCLA. Ah, I can't believe I can't think. I can't think his name is on the tip of my tongue. This dude had cancer. They said, you got six months to live. First thing he did is got out of the hospital. He said, you don't be in the hospital. Everybody in here is sick. Mm -hmm. So instead, he moved into a fancy um, suite in one of the finest hotels in the city because it was cheaper than a day at the hospital. So instead of trying to heal in a hospital full of sick people who can come in all night and try to give you pills and medicines because it's their job to sell that to you, he went to his uh, hotel. And then he got a big screen TV. This one they had, remember the box TVs? Mm -hmm. They sit on the ground. It was huge. He got one of those put in his room. And all he did is watch comedy, brother. Day and night. Heckle and Jekyll, Laura and Hardy, the Three Stooges, uh, the Marx Brothers, you name it. Uh, he backed the back and, and, and ingested vitamin C. He ate oranges. He drank orange juice. Anything with vitamin C, that's all he did. His name is Norman Cousins, okay. Dr. Norman Cousins. And if you just go online and put in the doctor who saved his life with orange juice and laughter, it'll pop up. Wow. And so, Well, he died anyway. But that wasn't until seven years later. And by then, he was one of the top professors at UCLA and had written seven books on how to heal yourself through laughter and vitamin C. So laughter has been proven scientifically to be healing. And in our society, when everybody mad at everybody, like you go to the airport, people ain't even smiling no more. Mm -hmm. I used to go to the airport. People were so happy to be at the airport. People was holding hands. People was laughing. Everybody is tense everywhere. If you don't laugh, you don't fuck around. I have to punch somebody in their face. So we are healing people every time we make somebody laugh. Every time I squeeze that chicken, it changes a life. You may not realize it, but it's somebody who ain't had a good day at all. And then he see this fool over here with a damn pink chicken <laughs> squeezing the, in the middle of everybody. And I, 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 my favorite restaurant for breakfast, I have to say this, Cracker Barrel. Now, at first, I wasn't going to a restaurant. What'd you call me? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> at first, I wasn't going to go to a restaurant called Cracker Bear. I grew up in the projects in Chicago, the South Side, Robert Teller Home, 4352 South State Park, 909. And where I come from, we don't fuck around with no crackers. And a barrel full of crackers. That's a whole lot of crackers. So I wasn't even going to no damn Cracker Barrel. But Cracker Barrel was my favorite breakfast spot. But I go to Cracker Barrel once, and we went, and there was an old, looked like a curmudgeon, an old, grumpy little white dude in overalls sitting right over that table. And, you know, me, me, and my black friends, and we laugh, and I'm squeezing a chicken. And he whipped around and just gave me the ugliest look when I squeezed the first time. Then he looked back in curiosity, but he hadn't started smiling yet. But I just kept messing with the chicken. Sometimes I just squeeze it slow like this. Now, he already bugged by it. Now I'm squeezing. <laughs> and then we can see his body start to hunch like this. 
We could tell his ass was laughing, though his back was to us. So I hit him with a couple more, and then we ain't think about it no more. And that old white dude got up, took one step forward, turned around and came back and said, you made my whole day today, and he walked out the place. I'm telling you, brother, it's just because you don't see it. What is humor anyway? Humor is the opposite. Humor is a, contra- humor is a contradiction yep. of what you see coming. Mm-hmm. You don't see that shit coming. You don't see that, especially you don't see it coming from Flash brother. You rarely see me without a suit. People didn't even know I own jeans. When you see me, I'm suited and booted with a damn orange chicken. I got 16 chickens, orange, yellow. One is tie-dye, not to be confused, with rainbow. D- with different connotations. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, where, where did you even, like, who did you learn this mindset of, like, abundance and service from coming up in, like, you know, you said you, I, you know, three projects in Chicago. Where did you learn I'm, this? I'm a member of the greatest church in the whole wide world. It's called Agape. They don't even call it a church. They call it Agape International Center of Faith in Los Angeles. I did an Agape night at a church yes. performed there. Agape love, right? Yes, Agape love. Yes. All-encompassing love. My minister is Michael Beckwith. But I have many spiritual leaders. But Michael Beckwith is is my minister for that that particular church. And that's all he teaches. And all he teaches is... He's a great teacher of the truth. He's funny as hell, too. He oh, can make yeah. a million dollars a year being a stand-up comedian. He's hilarious. And Michael Beckwith just reminds us. And then plus, I try to read all the doctrines. You know, I've read everything. Yixing, Talmud, the Bible, uh, the Quran. I try to read all of the books, you know. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm not, I can't claim a religion because I'm not religious. I'm more spiritual. But I utilize things from all the doctrines. So I think right now they're calling people like me, um, what do they call it when you pick stuff out? Um, we only pick out what you want. <sighs> There's a word for it. Where you, cherry picker. I'm okay. a cherry picker. So I'm one of the people who cherry pick religion. So it's some st- stuff in the Hebrew faith that I can use. But I'm not Hebrew. But it's some stuff in the faith that I can use. Like like I love love. And I'm getting married November 4th to the greatest woman in the whole wide world. Congratulations. But in Hebrew faith. They have a book called Talmud. And in Talmud, which is a book of laws, just like the Bible, it says that God created all people as perfect halves. And it, that's, and it's called your beshert, or if it's a man, it's your beshert. And when you find your perfect half, you become whole, and then your heart sings a royal song, and you never have to look for love again. And people say, well, if that's true, why did so many divorces? Because you didn't find your beshert. You settled for some shit that was close. You know what I'm saying? Well, she do this and she do that. Well, she don't do this what I like, but she do do this good. Okay, I'll settle. But that becomes a problem in a lot of relationships because 10 years later, 11 years later, the thing you really need that you know she doesn't give you starts banging at your door. That's when you get to sneaking and peeking and going places and doing things you ain't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But when you find your Bashirta, you know it because your heart sings a royal song. There's no effort in it. It is easy, you know? And so with this queen of mine, I found my Bashirta. But that's one of the pieces that I use from the Hebrew faith. So I cherry pick, like the Bible for me, David and Goliath, man, I love mm-hmm. that story. That's the bomb.com. Because when he walked Goliath, when little bit David walked big old ugly, bad breath, fucked up teeth, Goliath, when he wore him out, all he had was some smooth stones in a sling that he had gotten out of the river. And when he went to Goliath, he said, I'm fuck you up. But it's not because of who I am. It's not because of who I got. But do you see who I'm standing with? See, one with God is a majority. So if, as long as you have the spirit with you, you can walk through any door and do anything, but you got to own it for real. You got to claim it. You got to know it. You can't, you can't just selectively decide, I love the Lord today, but not tomorrow. You love God. You love God. You love the spirit. You love spirit. But everything's about karma. So whatever you're doing is coming back to you. So if you're loving the universe, the universe is loving you. You know, if you send out negative shit, you must sit down and get ready because it's coming to visit you because mm. karma is real and you get it. 
even if you don't get it. But see, in my life, instead of trying to work the system of karma, which is a circle that goes round and round, I'm trying to work spiral. I don't think we just go round and round. I think we go round and round and lift ourselves. As if, and every, every time we make a rotation, we learn more stuff. We get a little stronger, a little braver, a little wiser, hopefully. Otherwise, you're just sitting in a circle and ain't nothing happening for you. You know, but the chicken changes all of it, you know? So I can have high philosophy on one and tell jokes on the other, you know, had a chicken. Yeah. Right in the middle, it's just another one of our wonderful tools. But as comedians, we're healing people, man. We're, we're changing people, making people feel better about themselves. And you could teach any lesson you want to teach as long as you wrap it up with a joke. That's why when I was on Venice, the first piece after the color people's routine was about safe sex because mm. people was dying of AIDS. This was 1986. And in 86, you could not buy airspace on radio or TV for condoms. They said it was dirty. They wasn't selling condoms. And all you needed was a fucking condom to save your life. But they wouldn't advertise them. So I'm on the beach joking about them. Because, you know, with the condom, I had a six-pack, six-pack, uh, eight-pack, uh, six uh, eight and a 12-pack. So the six-pack is for the Hispanic brothers. That's for making love Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but off on Sunday. Okay? <laughs> eight-pack, that's the black brothers. That's for making love Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And twice on Sunday. And of course, the 12-pack, that was for the white dudes. That's January, February, <laughs> March. So if you do something like that to someone who's in the audience who's dealing with a situation mm -hmm. that's broken their heart because of where they are sexually or with their, then it opens, it, it calms them down. It opens them up for you to slide in the knowledge. I remember one show, a lesbian lady came to me afterwards and said, my lover died six months ago from AIDS, and I never thought I'd laugh again. And you just made me laugh about condoms. So if we can get into their, their head through the humor, then we can open it up and slide in information. So what I try to do is conscious comedy. I try to make you think and feel as well as laugh. But my stuff is going to have plenty of jokes and a lot of them old jokes. I don't think an old joke should die just because the motherfucker that wrote it did. <laughs> he can't use it no more. Red Fox created 75 comedy albums, dude. Red Fox. Red is dead. He can't use them jokes no more. We supposed to throw away 75 albums worth of brilliant joke? Hell no. I tell them to you, you tell them at work, you're a hero and you pay no royalty. But see, some people steal. I don't steal. I borrow. Yeah, uh, I let the audience know the shit ain't mad. I say, gotcha. oh, joke alert. You know the shit ain't mad. I heard it somewhere, and I'm here to share it with you. Just like the other day, I was accused of fat shaming. Now, I'm, I've never made fun of people because of their weight, and I don't know what they're talking about. But I'll, I'll tell you what I said. You tell me if this is fat shaming. Okay. okay. So this big old fat lady was on a bike. She's on a bike, right? And she paddling, boy, she paddling her ass off, right? So I yelled out, cow! She turns to me and gave me the finger, turned back around, and ran right into the fucking cow. Nice. There I don't is. think that's fat shame. So, so, so jokes come to me. My friends come and tell me jokes that they heard, but they can't tell them. Mm -hmm. And they said, Michael, you're going to love this joke. You can go back and tell it. I can't tell it. I don't know where to get that joke from. I'm going to use it, though. It was knock, knocking the door. Guy opened the door. He looked around. He ain't seen nobody. He looked down. There's a snail. So he just picked the snail up and threw it as far as he could. Mm -hmm. Six months later, there's a knock at the door. He opened the door. There's a snail. Snail said, now what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> that shit's hilarious. Somebody just told me that. I, don't, I didn't know that. But the jokes is what I use to hold together the material. The material will deal with my, it'll deal with the uh, racism I've dealt with. it deal with my, uh, my addiction and my recovery. It'll deal with love, you know, because I'm such a, I'm so in love. I'm fucked up. I'm, I'm a little bitch. I'm in love. This girl. How'd you meet her? 
Well, she was hoeing on Sunset, and I really mm-hmm. needed some coochie. No, I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to take my play to the National Black Theater Festival. And she owns the number one soul food restaurant in Winston-Salem. And I apologize to my mother when I say this, but this woman makes a better salmon croquette than my mama. And my mama's held that title for 64 years. Anyway, I met her there, and you know when it's real, because when it's real, it's effortless. You ain't got to work at it. It's just everything feel right. You move and groove. I know it's real because I no longer, um, I no longer objectify women. And I've objectified women my entire life, even when I'm with a woman. I see a woman go by, I'm thinking, look at that ass. Check out them titties. Wonder if she swallows. You know. But now, I wouldn't care who you are. I love Rihanna. I love Beyonce. But they could both be standing right here butt naked with two hands full of $100 bills. All I could think about is Sonya. Mm. That's all I could think about. I ain't never known anything like that. I've never known love. Oh, I got to tell you my Stevie Wonder story. Okay, so. Is this true? This is true. Okay. I don't do them but the truth, brother. I don't do them but the truth. <laughs> the cow story was true? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, so I went to see Earthquake. Uh, Earthquake has a room he does once a month, every third oh, Tuesday. I just him on here, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. Every third Tuesday. Legend. He does a uh, comedy chateau, which I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. It's in Burbank. I've been living in LA for 32 years and never heard of it. So I went to support my boy. You know, I ain't there, I wasn't there to perform. I'm there to sit in the audience. So, you know, I'm in his room, I'm supporting him. Right. And Joe Torrey went up, a couple other great comics went up. Stevie Wonder came in. Don't worry, he didn't see me. Okay. So uh, the comics would go up and do their stuff and they was killing. They, and then they all stopped and sang happy birthday to Stevie. So I get up to slip out, you know, because I figure it's over. I mean, I don't know how you figure, but if you just got through singing happy birthday to Stevie Wonder, you might as well roll the fucking credits. It's a wrap, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm trying to leave. They grabbed me and said, Mr. Kyle, you want to go up and do some time? I said, I thought it was over. They said, well, we got time for you, Mr. Kyle. I said, okay, cool. So I go up, and all I'm talking about is my baby, Sonia. I mean, she's so... First of all, she's fine as frog's hair. You ever seen frog, frog hair? You can't see it. It's too goddamn fine, okay? She's, she gave my heart something extra to throb about, man. I jump up in the morning without an alarm clock. I'm walking 35% fast. She a bad motherfucker. If I wasn't me... I would have been her. So I'm just saying, I'm talking about her. I'm doing my whole piece on my baby and how we're about to get married and the stuff that happened. Like one day, this is how I really know she the one. She's at my house and we've done a Christmas party because I just met her last year, so she came to the Christmas party. And the day of the Christmas party, I thought we had an intruder, right? Because I'm going up to the second floor of my house and one of those panels are open. The thing you go in to put insulation upstairs. Uh-huh. So it's, it's wide open. Now, I've been living here three and a half years. Motherfucker ain't never been open. So I walk into my room briskly, um, and she said, baby, what's going on? I pull out the pistols, and I said, I think we have an intruder. Do you know how to use a gun? And she said, no, but give it to me. <laughs> yes, sir. And we stood there holding these guns at this <laughs> hole in the wall and cussing the whole out. Come on, motherfucker. I'll kill you. I'll kill you, mama. I'll kill your ancestors, you motherfucker. Went nobody in the hole. But we didn't know. So we held them guns. We called 911. The police came. We gave them a ladder. We hid the guns. We gave them a ladder. Right, right. And when they left, I realized one by in there, but I also realized if some shit go down, my woman going to stand with me even if she don't know how to. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I do all my routine and stuff. I say goodbye. Of course, I ripped it. The audience is going crazy. I jump off stage. I run right to my car because these days I'm kind of popular. And in a room full of black people, I got to do 30, 40 pictures for free. And I ain't down with that shit. Right. So I get my car go home, right? <laughs> So when I get to the house, there's a video waiting for me. Stevie Wonder went on stage right after me. And he said, Michael, Michael, when is your wedding date? And somebody yelled out, Michael already left. And Stevie said, dang, I want to tell him I'm going to sing a ribbon in the sky at his wedding. Now, I don't know if he's going to sing it. 
No. But I got the goddamn tape. I played it five times on my morning show. He said the shit. So if the wedding on November 4th, if he ain't there, we running the video. Yeah. I can tell you that shit right now. You know, so so it, our life, as you know, is blessed, brother. Mm -hmm. For us to make a living, making people laugh. See, I keep going on stage every night telling people that this is what our purpose and our goal is. This is what our focus has to be. Our goal has to be to stand in front of the Lord, to go to the universe and train the universe to pay us to do what we love to do. If you get, if you're doing what you love to do, even if you break even, you way ahead of the game. How do but you, you do go, that? Huh? How do you how do you train the universe to pay you? Well, that's it, I like it comes down to your focus. Okay, it's about what you what you focus on because you it, see everything is based on your vibration. So everything you're vibrating is what the universe gives you. That's why you don't want to play around. You don't want to say negative stuff because the vibration doesn't do the universe doesn't do judgment. Mm -hmm. The universe just goes by what your vibration is. So if you say you want something to happen, it happens. I don't care what it is. If if you really believe in a thing and hold on to it with all your might every day, no matter what people say, you open your hand to see that shit. And you're going to be, oh, my God, how did this happen? Because the universe, its job is to mirror your reality with your ideology. So whatever you're thinking, that's what people say. Think positive. You want something, think about it. Talk about it. Thoughts are things, man. They're tangible as a bottle of water. And words or thoughts magnified. So once you start thinking a thing, the universe starts vibrating on that. And it starts showing you a way to get the thing you want. You'll see doors open that was not there. So how do you train the universe? You train the universe by getting on your job, being focused, be clear. This is the thing I do. This is the thing I love. This thing I believe in. This is all I want to do. This is all I'm going to do. You claim it to the universe. And every place you go, that's all you do. And the universe wakes up to that. They wake up to that and they start seeing it. Then all of a sudden you see some shit came to you. You didn't see that coming. All of a sudden somebody called you. Like there's a system that I created called the 15 minute a day system. And I believe that if you spend 15 minutes a day doing anything, within three months you'll have it in the palm of your hands. I don't care. You could be 400 pounds and want to be a ballerina. Now, you're probably not going to get picked up by the Bashoy or the American Ballet Theater, but... If you start at 400 pounds, 15 minutes a day you do something towards dancing. You might spend 15 minutes reading Dance Magazine, 15 minutes watching video of dancers, watching plus size dance. You may spend 15 minutes doing the five different uh, movement steps of ballet. You may just spend 15 minutes a day exercising. Your big ass might exercise 15 minutes a day trying to get your body in shape so you could put on a tutu for a 400 pounder. But if you do anything towards it, 15 minutes a day, the universe is vibrating. And so more and more elements come along. Within a month, somebody call you, girl, are you trying to be a ballerina? You know your big ass can't be no ballerina. But are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? My cousin, she got a bunch of plus size uh, people at her house. They come and dance. They do hip hop dance every day. You should join them. The vibrations start coming. Then the word, the buzz gets around. Now you start taking yourself more serious. Now you stand in the mirror and you do the steps of ballet. You do all five of them. You get used to doing what you need to do. Now your body, so the universe is vibrating and rolling with it, right? Then you get a call one day. You know, we're putting together a plus-size uh, ba ballet company, and we heard that you, you, want, you want to do something. 
Okay, so once again, you're still 400 pounds. Okay, maybe now you're 380, but you're closer to it. This is the universe working with you, helping you pull together all the elements you need to get what you want because you're staying vibrating. Or you're focusing on that and that alone. This is what I do. I don't accept no other shit. This is who I am. This is what I do. And the universe hears it. It gets it. And it gives you everything you want. That's how you train the universe. Because I start out just telling jokes and having people put money in a basket, brother. Mm -hmm. Now... I can't do all the work. I'm on seven projects. I have four movies in a can, three that's out. I got two books coming out next month. One is a children's book called Little Bobby White by a little black boy who always wins because he always chooses to do the right thing. And my second book is an erotic poetry book. It's called In the Wet Spot, Blue Erotica by MC Butternuts. And for, for children as well? No, no, for, <laughs> for, for children, yes. And, and I'm just, and I'm in love with the most incredible person in the world. These are the things that I conjure up because you are your own magician and you can conjure up the life you want. It's in your hands. People just keep forgetting all of your power is within you. Mm -hmm. It ain't no nothing that's outside of you. I don't, you can go up begging people to give you a job, give you money, all that bullshit, but the wealth is within you. So once you claim who you are, you stand true to who you are, what you do, the elements of that will come to you because that's the vibrating. That's the vibration you're putting in the universe. You know, because it's all about energy. We all connected, we all the same people. So we can fight and shit, act like we ain't with each other, but at the end of the day, we're all the same thing. There is no difference of distance between us, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm telling people. Every place you go, you got to do that. You got to decide, okay, this is what I do. Chicken's what I do, and that's what I do. I don't do no other shit. I'm not a vegetarian. I fuck with chickens. I play with rubber chickens. I talk to chickens. The universe going to do some shit. You're going to look up one day and someone's going to bag up to your house with 100,000 rubber chickens. Fuck y'all doing with all these chickens. Well, we heard how much you love chickens, Mr. Collier. And the guy who manufactures these sent them to you. Now you change the label, put your name on it, and you sell them at $20 each. I was here in Atlanta performing one day, and this guy in the audience say, I'll give you $20 for that chicken. I said, bring the money, motherfucker. <laughs> so when he stood up, his wife said, don't give him 20, give him 30. He said, baby, I'll give him 40. He walked over, hand me $40, I gave him the chicken, and he walked away, and I went to the microphone, and I said, I spent $4.86 on that chicken. <laughs> and we just kept it going. So whatever you're vibrating, the universe is going to bring that to you. That's what come when bad shit happened to you. That's what you're vibrating. When you're constantly dwelling on some negative shit, is coming to you. Even if you think you're trying to get rid of it because you're dwelling on it. Man, I ain't going to never mess with this dude no more. Just continue to talk about that dude is creating that energy of negativity that makes you not go further. You got to get rid of all the negative shit in your life. You want to be great, really, and live a happy life? OQP. Only quality people. You got too many motherfuckers in your life that's still backstabbing, talking behind your back. They come to you to gossip, and I guarantee you, as soon as they leave your ass, they're going to gossip about your ass to the next person they talk to. All these backstabbing, lying, two-faced motherfuckers, you know who they are. Get rid of them. Only only positive people around you everywhere, and you'll see your life rise. Just get rid of You know who they are. Some of them in your family. Some of the worst motherfuckers in your life is a family member. Sometimes you, you got to love some people, but you got to love them from afar. I love you. I don't fuck with you, but I love you. You know what I'm saying? I see Thanksgiving dinner, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But once you clear all that minutiae, all that garbage out the way, because that's what that is. Negative people, uh, backstabbers, all the motherfuckers, that's negative. That's just garbage, minutiae, dirt on your feet. Rub that off and stay positive. Look at the light. Stay prayed up. Stay connected to spirits. Stay connected to yourself. We talk, try to have communications with the higher source. We need to learn how to have com communication with me. I want to talk to me. I want to remind myself how great I am. Not because I created me, because God created me. He don't create no garbage. God created me, so I'm not just a comedian. I'm the greatest comedian on this planet. 
There's a lot of people who dispute that. But I'm going to keep saying it until one day the whole world says he's the greatest because that's exactly how the vibratory system works. Just keep saying it. Keep saying it. And you'll become it more and more. Whatever you keep saying, you're going to be. Whatever you keep saying you're going to do, it's going to happen. So be careful of the words you use. So like for, for this show, I want this to become like almost like the like new Johnny Carson where it's it's a really like a high quality talk show mm -hmm, where comedians mm -hmm. can come on and find a new audience or it can be like comics mm -hmm. who have an audience can come on and have like discussions mm -hmm. here like they can't have on any other show. Right. So you talking about this right now mm -hmm. in like the first time we've recorded in an actual studio setting mm -hmm. and not in like a hotel lobby or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's really good timing. So to like build on this positive momentum, are you saying I should be like visualizing what I want the studio to look like, visualizing who I want Absolutely. on the show. Like, Absolutely. Is, and you should run with it. What's the name of the show? Is it Hot Breath? Hot Breath. Yeah, you should yeah, yeah. run with it. You got the t-shirts yet? I got the mugs. You, you got the caps, mugs. You need all that shit. All of it. Everybody you talk to is supposed to be by Hot Breath. Okay. Everything you talk, I don't care what the conversation is. It, it should always come back around to Hot Breath. Okay. Everything. And and take it seriously. You here take it. You are Johnny Carson. You don't want to be. You already are who you are. You got your own talk show and it's the shit. You ain't no different than Johnny. Johnny was just a stand-up comic till he got that shit. Yeah. He was a good one though. He yeah. wasn't no bullshit. Now Johnny was funny. Mm -hmm. He was funny. And for that era, that age, that you know, that age and time, he was a funny cat, you know, but more than that, he was safe. So if you're trying to be Johnny, you can't have motherfuckers on your show like me. Cause we gonna cuss and shit. <laughs> Too late. But you need to have <laughs> you trying to be Johnny Carson. You better get some cleaner comments or make sure you ever sign the door. No cussing. Because that that then you re and it, it does make a difference. Okay. Because what crowd are you trying to reach? Who is your audience? Now, if your audience is the nice ladies and stuff, and 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 you want to get the the grandmamas and all them, you want the family crowd, then just don't do any anything blue. My morning show is an a is a family show. We can't do no cussing on the on the fam on the morning show, and we can't do any dirty jokes. Can't do none of that mm -hmm. on that show because it's a family show. That's the audience I'm trying to reach. My podcast. Well, you can say what the fuck you want to say and say it however you want to say it. That's that. But you got to know what your audience is. And when you know who you're serving, then you, lo you lock it down just for that. I wouldn't let people curse. I wouldn't let them do that. I mean, if every now and then a shit drops in or something like that, damn, that's okay. People should never use the B word on TV and M and F and all that stuff. That's late night. That's cable. You know, and even if you are cable, you don't have to be like cable. Like, you can be whatever you want to be. Like, I say, we have the greatest TV show on the internet. That's one of our slogans. Mm -hmm. We have one of the greatest shows on the internet. I'm doing TV on the internet. People say, oh, you're not doing TV. You're doing the internet. No, I am doing TV. I'm doing TV, but I'm doing it on the internet. I created a thing called a Gramathon. You know, I'm currently saving my money and building money so I can do a one-hour special on Venice where I started. Mm -hmm. It's called The King of Venice Beach, and we're doing an indie go-go. It's one of the ways we're raising money. But another way is I created the Gramathon, which is... You remember Telethon? You're kind of young. You I remember, remember though, Jerry yeah. Lewis's Telethon? Mm -hmm. So this is the same thing. It's a Telethon, but on Instagram. So I call it a Gramathon. I've already done two. 12 hours, brother. From 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I'm doing jokes. I'm telling stories. I'm reading from my poetry book. And comics are coming in all just all day on Instagram. Comics are popping in. Vocalists are singing. Magicians are coming on for 12 hours. Raising money. I've done two. I'm going to do a third one in about a month and a half. And it's called the Gramathon. So you can create. Your world, man. You got all the stuff you need. And we ain't even got all this shit. And, man, we've been doing our shit for three years, man. We doing that just with a, 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 a laptop and uh, and an iPhone. That's it. And and we killing them. We bringing all kind of people through. So you have the show. Already know your show is what you want your show to be. 
Mm. I already know that, man. You already want the coldest shows on TV. You got to let them know that. You got people like Michael Cotty in this bitch. <laughs> Y'all <Yo>. rolling, player. <laughs> and if you just do that, that's it. And and get signage up. You know, right. put up more stuff that, that reflects who you are. Get things on your table that reflects who you, who you are, man. And create your people. Create your audience. Ask the people to join you and give them a title or a name or something. You know, uh, yeah. hot breath. The, the breathers, you yeah, know. they're the, the hot breath of verse is what we call them. The hot breath of verse. Yeah. Put that down. Use it all the time. Say it over and over so it, gets, it locks in people's psyche. And then you're doing exactly what I'm talking about. You are preparing the universe to pay you for what you want to do. But you... The universe leads up to you to, to do the work to get there. That, that, they, people talk about prayer without works is hollow. And that's true. Mm. You could pray all you want, but it ain't going to just happen because you sat your ass there and prayed that it happened. You pray and you also walk over and give it a hand. You work with it, you know. You have a great look. If you're funny, you're going to be a bad motherfucker. I ain't heard no jokes. I am, But yeah. if you're funny. Yeah, I'm clean too. My, comedy, clean. my stand-up's clean. That's perfect because on my show, it's two things. You have to be funny and you have to be clean. If you're not clean, we hit a button and knock you off before you finish your set. Mm -hmm. And if you ain't funny, oh, shit. It's going to be a long walk back to your car. We're going to talk about your ass for like 10 fucking minutes. We're going to tear your ass up. All we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes mm -hmm. is how horrible your shit was. Yeah, I, like one lady told me, she said, well, you know, they tell me I'm funny. I said, bitch, who is they? Yeah. I need you to have they call me, and I need you to go back and work on your shit and come back in 30 days. And she came back and tore that shit up when she came mm -hmm. back because you don't want to fail. In performance... Nothing teaches your ass like failure. Yeah, when you bomb. Some, yeah, what's some of your worst bombs? Yeah, I've never bombed. Oh, I've never bombed. I have one time where I oh. almost bombed, but I don't qualify it as that. Oh, really? One time, well, when the Middle East War kicked in oh. in like 80, 87, I I was hired to come and do comedy at a naval base, but they had hired me months before. They didn't know the fucking war was gonna kick off. So the day I showed up was the day they was about to deplore to the Middle West, and I went up and stood there in front of all these uniformed soldiers, and I I did about four minutes of shit that I know is hilarious, that people have laughed at for years. Them motherfuckers didn't budge. They didn't give me a smile or a smirk. They looked at me, when is this shit over? And, and with me there was Joan Rivers, uh -huh. and she came over and she said, well, you are very brave to have attempted to tell jokes to this group of people on this day, and that's what I got out of that. I got out of that. You have to know your audience. You got to know your audience and you got to bring that material. But I ain't never went on stage and bomb telling jokes and stuff with an audience. Yeah. No, that's not possible. Uh, that ain't going to ever happen. Uh, I, I'm too funny for that shit. There's no fucking way. Even if my material don't work, I know how to do crowd work. I know how to, you know, and that's, we, that's what we was talking about that we left. The stuff I learned by being on that beach. Right. Being on that beach for all those years, for those nine years with all these crowds of people. One thing I learned Improv. I, improv. There ain't nothing you could say. I can't jump right on it with some funny shit or some corny shit or something that connects to it, you know? And so when I'm doing my shows, you know, because I do comedy shows, I do concerts, as you know, tomorrow night I'm doing um, a concert with uh, Stephanie Mills and Jeffrey Osborne. When I'm doing my, the crowd work is what helps you there, not routine. You see somebody wearing a funny hat or lady, I know you didn't choose that dress. Did somebody help you pick that? You know, just crowd work, but all that stuff. I got from being on Venice, from people attacking my show. Like I could be in the middle of the joke and you see some gangbanging brothers, some hood brothers. They want to know how am I holding all these people, mostly white, but white, black, Asian, gay, Hispanic. Everybody's in this crowd, 500 people. Who the fuck am I 
to be holding them in the palm of my hand. And they come out and try to mess with me, but I kill a heckler. Ooh, holy <laughs> shit. I come from a small town called Fresh Off a of Heckler's Ass. And a heckler make me homesick. I tell I make a heckler want to commit suicide. I wish the fuck a heckler would. Come to my show with that shit. I tear your ass up. You know, so I but I learned it from being out there. In the middle of my joke, somebody would mess with me. I had to stop, fuck them up, then get right back where I left off. And so after years of that, I don't fail. I don't bomb. It. I fail a lot of things, but not at stand-up. Mm -hmm. If I'm on the stage with or without a microphone, I'm going to kill every time. Every single time. That's a guarantee. Well, especially doing Red Fox's jokes. You know? Heck we... yeah. I don't even have to work. <laughs> Red had some of the best jokes. Red had one thing that was just a sentence. Mm -hmm. And you could just keep saying a sentence and drop one word, and the sentence turned into a story. Oh, John, let's not park here. Oh, John, let's not park here. Oh, John, let's not park. Oh, John, let's not. Oh, John, let's. Oh, John. Oh! I mean, he was, this motherfucker was brilliant. Yeah. He, was, he wrote poetry and songs and all kinds of shit. No, it's a, it's a very rich field that we're in as comedians. It's something that I am humbled and honored to be able to do. I think it's a gift from God, you know, and this is all I do. I be on stage sometimes and I can't even believe it. And I tell the audience, this is why I know I'm blessed. Because all I do is stand around and say silly, giggly shit, and y'all give me money, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how it really is. If you get this comedy thing down, all you have to do is walk around the planet saying silly, giggly shit, and they're going to roll money up to you and pour it at your feet. Well, what have, what have you learned? From, I mean, you've literally, like, worked with, like, the best of the best. You know, I said a few at the beginning, but, like, what have you learned from being around, like, just the best comedians in the world? Is there, like, a commonality or some traits or mindsets or habits you picked up like what have you know you i don't know and you want to be careful because you don't want to pick up anything of theirs because anything that looks like it's theirs they'll come for you why you steal my shit why you do this you don't want to walk like that i don't want to talk like that so I don't, I don't know what i learned from is watching how people carry themselves as people gotcha not not as particularly artists because people sometimes act goofy because they're artists but even the goofiest artists the uh, charlie chaplin's uh, are brilliant. That's how they get to where they are because they really know their shit. The Lenny Bruce's, they're brilliant. They knew their shit, you know? And um, there's a big conversation out there now about stealing jokes and shit, you know? But there's so many conversations about coming. So they talk about stealing jokes. That dude, uh, Mr. Television, Milton Berle. Oh, yeah. Milton Berle would go to a comedy show and sit in the front row with a yellow pad and a pen. And if he liked your shit, he'd write it down and do it the next day. He didn't oh. give a fuck. Oh. You know, so you you have that you have that out there. You know, and then it's another thing. And then you have the whole thing about how come men always gotta put on a dress to be funny. Well, it's really that's more in the black community. How come every time black men wanna be funny, you know, Eddie Murphy and all them, I can name 30 white men who got wealthy wearing dresses in, in comedy. And I think Robin Williams won yeah. an Academy Award doing it. I think uh, who Tootsie won, uh, Dustin Hoffman won an Academy Award for Some Like It Lot, I Like It Hot. That's uh, fucking Jack Lemon. And I mean, you can go on and on with the true greats, even Milton Berle. They all did what they needed to do to be funny. So that's all I want you to remember is in the center of all of what you're doing, you're a comedian. So as a comedian, your first job is to be funny. The second job is not become a preacher. They don't come for comedy to hear you tell them what to do with their fucking life. They want to drink and they want to laugh. And if you can teach them without preaching to them, they fucking dig it. You know, if they get both of them. But the main thing 
It's funny. So if you stay on your funny, you got a platform here, brother. You stay on your funny and, and invite people, man. Don't don't be shy. Don't wait till they have to be stars. It's all kind of cold, cold artists out there who's never had an opportunity, man. That's what I'm finding. Like I said, over, over 500 and something comics, over 400 of them I've never even heard of. And they funny. I have maybe a 3% not funny rate. 97% of people come on the show funny because we laugh with you. They but you know, two or three of us on air. So we laugh with you, but the chat, the people putting applause and stuff in the chat, and we throw those up. So you see their responses too. And if you funny, we ringing bells, applauding and cheering. Mm. But if you ain't, oh, <laughs> we gonna, man, I'm telling you, don't play now. But we do, I would love to have more white artists, more white comedians come on the show just because I don't want a black show. I, though I'm a black man and I stand tall for black. Don't get me wrong. Black people are my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I say in a room full of white people, a crowd of white people, I'm going to give a fuck. And you should feel the same way about who you are and where you're from. But I, so I love black people, but I want a black show. I want an everybody show. I want anybody who thinks they could be funny or think they can heal the planet or think they could give us something that lifts our lives and makes us feel better that day. Come fuck on. I don't care if you got stripes or polka dots. Bring your ass on the show. Mm -hmm. And so we've had some of everybody. And they perform and they sing and they dance and they do things. I wouldn't imagine they would do for people for free. And they come on my show working for free. So I consider that a great blessing, a great honor. I'm so humbled by that and so grateful to God, you know. So that's, that's pretty much it. I, well, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you were willing to fly in early and mm -hmm. to be on this show. You know, I can't. That just shows who you are. And I didn't even talk about what I flew in for. Okay, so yes. I'm doing Indiegogo, y'all. Indiegogo. I and we will link this in uh, the description of the show for sure. Oh, yay. I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O. I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O. And then just put in Michael Kaya, the king of Venice Beach, and it'll, um, a video will pop up. With me going into details about who I am, what I've been through, the video is so awesome. You got to see the video. I saw the video. Did you see the video of yeah, me promoting awesome. it? Yeah, And yeah. so we're promoting it. You see who I was, the history, where I've come from, what I'm doing. And we're doing this special, and I need the help of the audience, you guys, to help me do this. If I can't do it by myself. In fact, you guys could be producers. So, like, if a person put $100 in, they can get the love package with my three first books. Now, I have the two new ones coming out, but I have three before. My first book was on the greatest president in my lifetime, Barack Hussein Obama. Okay? And it's called A Funny thing happened on the way to the White House. I knocked on the door and a brother answered. Okay. That's a children's book and it's awesome. I haven't oh. moved them like I wanted to. I only moved 18,000 copies, but they're pretty good. All right. Second, my second book is my first motivational book. It's called Michael Goes Motivational. So I'm talking about motivation through comedy. And then my third book is a poetry book called Miss Innocent Goes to Cool School and other silly stuff, which is a poetry book for adult children. Now, if you put in $100, you get the love package. If you put in 1000 you get producer's credit on the show. So when the credits roll, you're listed as a producer. That's right. You can produce. The one-hour Michael Kaya special live Venice Beach. You tell your friend, I produced that. And they say, you ain't produced shit. Look at the credits. Look at the credits. I already have eight people who are, who are doing that. You could be a, uh, an associate producer for three grand, you know? And, and remember, these people aren't doing this because they're buying something. These are people who see these Indiegogo things, and they see someone who has a dream, and they think that dream is going to help society because it is because I'm giving back to the homeless. And they see that, and they say, I want to help you get that, and they just give, you know? Like one guy... The biggest thing out there was um, jump. What is it called? Jumpstart. What's it called? Jumpstart. Is it jumpstart? Is a, a a source of getting money? Was jumpstart? Oh, start engine. What is it called? Right. Jumpstart. I think it's jumpstart. Called. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. It's called Kickstarter. A guy went on Kickstarter. He wanted ten thousand dollars. He was trying to get ten thousand uh -huh. because he has a card game called Exploding Kittens, and all he has is a deck of cards with these pictures of kittens and shit. 
He got $4.9 million. What? From people who watched him on there and sent money. So his project, his product, pull it up. Go online, pull up, exploding kittens. It's going to blow your fucking mind. So what I'm doing is I don't need $4 million. I need $200,000. Um, but we can make it with $100,000. But we need two. Uh, we did one. What's the name we got? We did our first uh, Indiegogo. We got 17 grand. That ain't bad. We just started the second Indiegogo. We do the Gramathon. Uh, we got these two women getting 10 of their friends together, and they're getting almost butt naked. They're going to be in bikinis. They're going to get soaped up, and they're going to wash cars all day mm -hmm. to raise money. Butt naked car wash to raise money for this project. We got three girls doing making lemonade. Right, yeah. We got three children who are making lemonade. And they At the naked selling... car wash? No, no, they're not oh, the naked okay. car wash. You got to go down the street for that. They're not, they're not naked. <laughs> you be trying to get people in trouble with this shit. <laughs> I ain't thinking about you. So so anyway, um, I'm going back to Venice Beach. As you told you, I used to be out there from 86 to 95. I did five hours of comedy every Saturday and Sunday. So I'm going back to the spot where I started. Uh, actually right in the center of the beach. I'm going to do one hour. It's going to be Phenomenal, and um, also on that day, I'm giving away 1,986 goodie bags to homeless people. So it'll be bags that'll have clothing, or it'll have a way to get clothing, or have a cart for you to get money. It'll have toiletries and health care things. And we're also going to give a portion of the money to the St. Joseph uh, Center, which is the church that's in Venice that takes care of homeless people. And they don't just let them sleep there. They take care of their medical stuff. They they give them training. It's just really great. So on that day, we get to give back. Plus, it's going to be so flat. All my celebrity friends going to be there. We're going to raise money. It's going to be shot like you've never seen an outdoor venue shot before. I got aerial view and everything. It's going to be flat and award winning. You can be part of it. Go to Indiegogo. Put in Michael Cowyer, C-O-L-Y-A-R. Michael Cowyer uh, and uh, the King of Venice Beach. It'll tell you the story. After you watch the video, though, scroll up because then it breaks it down. It tells you what you can get in each category, you know, because we give those things as perks. We're not trying to value. Those are just perks to say thank you. So, like, we can't give them under 100. But you can send in 10, 5, 1. You can send in 20. You can send in 47 cents, damn it. I will accept that. We'll need that for something, you know. And uh, But you can put in 100,000. You can put in 50. Somebody can show up out the woodwork and say, Michael, quit playing. I'm going to write this whole thing off. Let's go. We hope for all of that. We look for all of that. But what do we do? We just put it out there, brother. Mm -hmm. That's all. I can't make nobody do nothing. I put it out there. <laughs> Between me and the chicken, though, we're going to raise that money. Now, we're doing it in, in May. So when we get to May, we're doing it with whatever money we have. So if I ain't got nothing but that first 17000 we're shooting this one-hour special. And I'm shooting it with Leslie Small. Leslie Small is one of the coldest black celebrated uh, comedy directors, uh, concert directors in L.A., he does everything with Kevin Hart, everything Cat Williams, uh, everything Steve Harvey. And so this guy is so good, and he's so connected. So this is going to be an award-winning vehicle, and it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to help people. It's going to feed people the king of Venice Beach. Meanwhile, watch me every day on YouTube, Mike Kite Morning Show. It's easy. It's free, and you don't have to watch in the morning. Most people don't even watch till they come home from work. Like in the morning when I do my show, and I, unfortunately, you don't see your numbers. I'm able to see my numbers. I might have 43 people, man, for the show. But by the close of the evening, 1,500 people have watched the show. Because awesome. they come in from work and they go right to the TV and pull up. What did Michael do on the show that day? Mm -hmm. That's how I want your show to be. I want your show to be so that people need to come back the next day and see what the fuck he's going to do next. You, if you're going to be regular and ordinary, quit, nigga. She close all this shit and go home. <laughs> if it Ain't no point of it. If you're going to be extraordinary, stay where you are. Do stuff they don't see coming. Surprise them. Come in one day and talk about some shit they would have never thought you'd talk about, you know? Come in one day and sit down and say, I never said this before, but y'all know I'm black. 
<laughs> and then don't say shit. Look serious for about a minute. Y'all fucking with y'all, man. I mean, it's just, it's so many ways you can go. You know, y'all got two dogs down there that's extraordinary. Yeah. I love those animals. Come in one day with just the dog. Today we're just talking about the dog and humans. Y'all know any dog humor? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you got a, a blank slate here, man. You can, a canvas. You can paint whatever you want in here, man. And yeah. they're going to follow you as long as you're true to you. Just be true to you. Don't let nobody come telling you the way to do it. You do it your way. Your way is the way for you. Mm-hmm. Their way is their way. Go on, bump it up the road, do that bullshit. We're doing it your way here. This your shit. And then people start resonating. Then people come out the woodwork. They got to come every day. I got my people called the Kalia clan. It's about 43 of them that won't miss that show no matter what the fuck happened. No, even if I ain't there and I have to run a rerun, they are there to watch. They're the Kalia clan because people come to love you if you give them something to love. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, I loved our time together today, Mike. I, really I loved our time so together, much. man. You're so sharp, man. Thank you so you much. gotta come do my morning show. I definitely will. I you definitely gotta, will. And I'm talking about right away. I can get you on this next week, brother. Yeah, let's run. Because I didn't know you doing stand up. But we're we're unlimited, brother. Yeah. Inside of you, you could do anything and everything, brother, as long as you believe in it. Mm-hmm. That's all you gotta do. If you believe in anything, quit quit letting people tell you you can't. Just hold on, keep thinking of it every day. This gonna happen. I already see it done. I'm already writing checks, got it, man. We doing you're going to look up and that shit going to be knocking on your door. You're going to say, well, how did you get here? And it's going to say, didn't you concentrate? Didn't you focus? Yeah. Train the universe to pay you. That's the way that shit works. All them boys is doing it. Doing the Cat Williams and, and all them they all that, all that them know it's about the universe is taking care of them. Mm-hmm. They understand it, where it comes from. You know? Well, I, I have yeah. a feeling that after this episode, we're... Uh... That we're gonna be getting paid a lot more. I'm, I'm feeling it. I hope so, man. I'm you deserve it. it, bro. You look like a show host, man. I, I would hire that. you on sight unseen, even if you ain't open your mouth and say nothing. You already it. got the look. That's down. But you're also sharp and pleasant, and you're a great guy. I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed talking to I'm, you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to you coming to do my show. Absolutely. Man. Thank absolutely. you, man. Hey, y'all, the show is called Hot Breath. And you know some of y'all got that shit too. And you need to bring your hot breath over here and watch us when we do it. And it's funny over here. And all the top stars come here, all the top comedians, everybody that's fly, make their way to hot breath. How come you ain't here yet? What's your problem? You need to get out the mustard and catch up. It's called Hot Breath. You need to ask somebody. Michael Collier, thanks for being on Hot Breath, my friend. My pleasure, my honor, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank I this episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.